0: Welcome into to the fourth episode of Unmasked. I'm Jordan Sternblitz alongside Zach Den and Adam Lowy in the booth. Everyone here? Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. All right. Glad to be here. What a great Sunday afternoon. A lot of bubble basketball going on. What have you guys been up to this weekend?
1: Just chilling, man. Watching some sports. Saw the Mavs lose that uh, crazy game against Houston.
0: Yeah, we're not going to... Yeah, it's as a well. little too personal.
2: Yeah, I saw that as well. That was a ridiculous game. That score was so high. I think that's one of the highest scores I can say that I've honestly seen. Um, what yeah. ended up at like 160-something?
0: Yeah, it was – yeah. It's it's crazy. It was like 153-149. Um, but it's, it's crazy. I honestly thought maybe they'd be uh, lower-scoring games because they've been out of basketball for so long, but definitely didn't miss a beat there. Uh, also – want to congratulate Adam. He's being a little humble here. Air Adam over here passed his pilot's test Friday. Get a little bit of excitement for our sound engineer turned pilot over here. Congratulations Adam. We're so proud of you, man. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah, it was definitely a grind.
2: Um I've been working on it for like over a year now, so I'm just glad that um it's over for now and then in college I'll kind of pick back up on the rest of it, but um I'm one one license out of the, out of the way, so just glad to be done with that.
1: Adam I've known you for about known you probably about a week now and you've just grown so much right before my eyes. It's it's truly fun. <laughs> So what
0: was the test like? I'm very curious. The so test? You, yeah, you had three different parts, right?
2: Yeah, so the first part, the uh, the written exam, you take um you take it like before you take the main it's called the check ride. So you take this written exam that's kind of the basics about, like, safety and some of the regulations that come with flying. And then you move into, like – so once you pass that, you move into the the check ride, which is two parts. The first part is on the ground and the second is in the air. So the, the ground portion is where you, like, talk with the, the, the pilot examiner um kind of about like, – Oral. The oral, exactly. You talk with the pilot examiner. He kind of explains to you um what's going on. And then you kind of tell them about – um your flight plan. He talks you through some regulations, quizzes you, and then you move up into the air, which is sort of like your driving test, but it's a little bit more specific. And there's kind of a guide for it, like a syllabus that tells you kind of what's going on. And then, you know, it's either a pass fail. It's not like a set score. So it's kind of a stressful thing because if everything's not done correctly to a certain way, then it's considered not up to standards and then you don't pass. So, um, it's, it's, it's definitely a stressful test, but Um, it's, it's the best way to do it to like, make sure that everyone who's going up is safe and not going to like, um, cause issues in the air. Because when you're on the ground, like you can pull off on the side of the road, but when you're in the air, like it's just you in the plane. So it has to, it has to be that way.
0: So it's kind of like a driver's test, except when you, you know, bump a curb on your parallel parking, it's no big deal. And then in the sky, you, you know, you're just like putting people's lives at risk.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It has to be that specific and that hard just to make sure you're being safe but um it's definitely like the right way to do it i would say it's just really really stressful um going into it but like once it's over it's a big relief it's no big deal um it's just kind of one of those things you have to do in order to be a pilot everyone accepts it
0: well we're proud of you air adam that's uh (laughs) it's a big accomplishment and zach and i weren't expecting to have a guest on the podcast today but we had a pilot right in front of us that we got to interview so thanks for letting us oh, in yeah, on that that's some exciting stuff have to take us in the air sometime
2: definitely for sure
0: all right well there's nothing else that has been going on uh, i think it's time to to take it around the world of sports we're gonna do this in 120 seconds adam you want to start the clock
2: you are on the clock
0: all right Well, first off, we had a busy weekend in the NBA. We had the Heat and the Raptors, and T.J. Warren being the big winners. Warren's most notable uh, performance of the weekend with his 53 points. Against the Sixers, he had Zion playing only 15 minutes in both of his games. Pelicans going 0-2, kind of the big losers. Also with the Sixers, like I mentioned, getting poured on by T.J. Warren. And the Mavs, unfortunately, dropping a huge game in the standings and now starting off quarantine basketball bubble basketball 0-1. Shifting it to the MLB. We have six Cardinals that have now been diagnosed with COVID. Zach, you scared?
1: I'm scared, man. I'm scared for the future of the MLB. I don't know if they're going to be able to finish off this season. I really don't know what's going to happen. They need to do a bubble, dude. I've been saying that this whole time.
0: It's it's really scary. They're already uh, canceling their uh, series against the Brewers. And no one can find a Cespedes. Mets don't know where he is. Just told him he's opting out of the season. Uh-oh. NHL. They kicked off their... First round, qualifying round, of five game series. Anything, anything cool there? I don't know. We'll see. Just getting started. Sabrina Ionescu in the WNBA out a month with her ankle
1: sprain. Zach, were you excited to see her debut out of Oregon? Dude, that's a huge loss for the Liberty, man. She was. She went off that other night. She had like 31 points or something. She's. She, I mean, that's huge, man. I hope she gets better soon. Adam, how much time we got?
0: We have 30 seconds. Last 30 seconds, we're going to devote to trimming Tatum' his hair. It's gone. He's hitting threes. Zach, what's up with it?
1: <laughs> the new hoodie, Mello. Uh, he's been a beast. He played. He's been playing well. We saw him put up 17 points in the first half against the Blazers. Um, and I mean, he's really stepping it up with the with the new ha- new hairdo.
0: Bad game, first game. Bounce back Ten now. Seconds. He's the real deal. Celtics go and he goes. It's uh, right now. We're recording it. It's in the third, fourth quarter of that game. And so we're going to see how that winds up, but definitely a better performance today.
2: And And that was your,
0: that was your sports around the world of sports in 120 seconds. Thank you, Adam, for the timer. Of course, man. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with uh, some more NBA bubble talk. I know there's been a lot going on, a lot to unpack some Lakers games, Clippers games, Raptors games, some um, storylines across the board there. So we'll be back. Stay with us. Welcome back to Unmasked, and we're going to talk some bubble. I know we've we've talked a lot of NBA recently, but now with the games back, it's exciting, and there's been a lot of great action already. This weekend saw the Raptors come out strong against a Lakers team that looked really good against a little bit of a depleted Clippers team yet, but uh, still, you know, a strong effort there. Uh, a lot of the role players stepped up, and then they really didn't look that great against Toronto. So Toronto showed that they're here to stay. I want to ask you, Zach, do you think the Raptors are a force in the
1: East? Dude, I've been saying this whole time. That's my dark horse team. Lowry put up 33 points against LeBron James. Um, OG and Noby also stepped up. That team is so well built. Best coach in the NBA right now, right now, um, Nick Nurse. Um, and they have a better winning percentage this year than they did with Kawhi last year. Like what? This team is. I mean, everyone's sleeping on the Raptors, but we just. I mean, I think now maybe they awoke some of the sleepers. Uh, I think. I think they have a legitimate shot at being contenders. I and I mean that wholeheartedly.
0: You think? You think Nick Nurse is a better coach than Pop?
1: No, not all the time. I think this season he's been. Um, he's been doing. He's been coaching incredibly though especially um what he's got what do you think has
0: changed from I mean I think you're totally right but I'm curious to get your insight from last year besides losing the finals MVP and and the best player like is it Pascal coming into his own is it role players like OG kind of figuring things out getting healthy like what you think Nick Nurse just took it to another level what do you think it is
1: kind of a culmination of all that um I would say yes Siakam stepped up like he was earlier in the year he was a legitimate candidate for most improved player and that would be a second consecutive year if he were to get it which is unheard of um and not to mention just the rest of the team's all stepping up like you said on a former podcast they all have they have what four or five players in double digits scoring like it's really a team collective effort and they're and they're getting it done night after night and they they are a really just well put together team
0: yeah it's six guys in double figures and six guys in double. Um, Norman Powell is, is one of the guys who's really stepped it up. And even I mean, last night, like he's the reason I think that it's a big change uh, for the Raptors this season is his 16 points a game. It's doubled from you know his career averages. But last night, he's a minus 22. He's eight points on three to 12 shooting. Like, he had an off night. Norman Powell, one of, one of the X-Factors for their season, if I can call him that, had an off night, and they beat the Lakers by 15. And it was, and, and Siakam was 5 of 17. Like, it's not even like their all-star, their best player, was firing on all cylinders. Gasol had eight points. You know, it wasn't like super huge. But Lowry with 14 rebounds? Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> Kyle Lowry? I mean, this dude is, I mean, how tall? How tall can Kyle Lowry possibly be? what six foot he's six foot he's under 200 pounds and this dude gets in the lane you're talking about i've i've heard you mention on previous podcasts the lakers have trees they have javel mcgee they have dwight howard lebron james anthony davis i mean you know list goes on these guys are huge kyle lowry's gonna get in there and grab 14 rebounds you're telling me that that this guy is is gonna get i mean that's crazy when they're doing that and they're they're hustling i don't i don't see anyone um beating them but I just don't think that level is sustainable
1: it's good points um yeah it's really good points I don't know I guess we have to see how those matchups play out but um I think I really think last night they kind of proved that this is even LeBron James came out and said um after that after that wreck last night um that um I mean this is a this is a different Raptors team and they like Kawhi or no Kawhi they are good (laughs) they are phenomenal contender team.
0: And um, as far as standing goes, um, the Raptors, their win prevented Milwaukee from clinching the one also prevented the Lakers from clinching the one on the West side. um, But both are expected to happen. So uh, something else that did, you know, this Portland Boston game is still going on, but right now the Raptors have a four game lead. And so the worst it's going to be is three and a half. If Boston ends up holding on here against the Blazers Again, we're recording this um, Sunday afternoon, so we don't really know yet. But the Raptors, if they can secure that two seed, that was a big win last night because I don't think a lot of people had them winning. If they can hold on and and take that two seed, that's a big difference. From two to three, having to play the Sixers as the six seed uh, or Pacers or Heat, whoever it might be, or the Magic or the Nets because there's a huge drop-off there from six to seven. So if they can secure that two seed and get a rematch with the Magic or (laughs) play the Nets – uh, who are so depleted, then that's, that's huge. Cause to get into the second round and get some momentum, especially when they're so seasoned in the playoffs, that's a dangerous team. Absolutely. All right. Well talking about uh, another dangerous team, I want to know what you think about the Lakers now, because we saw them beat the Clippers. I know you're a big Lakers fan. We saw them beat the Clippers, which was big, you know, they didn't have Lou Will, they didn't have Harold. Um, but the Lakers still looked really good. And I want to know what you think, if your outlook has changed at all, where where you think they're going to end up um, when it's all said and done.
1: Dude, that's a great question. I wouldn't say I'm a big Lakers fan. I just just appreciate the greatness of LeBron James. I want to set that straight right now. Um, Second of all, I see this LeBron James, Anthony Davis duo. I've been thinking about it a lot. I see it as like a reincarnation of the Shaq-Kobe duo in a way. Obviously, Wow. I don't want all the haters on here. I don't want to get a – like, it's not the same thing. But, I mean, I'm just saying about this unstoppable duo, two top five players, in my opinion, in the league together. Uh, I mean, it's the – I don't think – I think it goes without saying this is the best duo in basketball today. Uh, there's close. There's great duos on other teams. But this is – I would say this is number one. And, yes, I understand the team isn't as well-built as other teams around them. But this is uh, – all that being said, this is the best duo in basketball. And LeBron James is, like, year after year, the best playoff performer in basketball. Um, And he has the best secondary player in the league. Um, Kuzma's been playing decently. He's been playing pretty solid. Uh, I would say I still think that they, in my opinion, are my favorites.
0: Yeah, I think they're a lot of people's favorites. And I think that the fact that LeBron got four months off, um, four and a half months off, however long it was, to recover at his age is huge. You know, he's not worn down. He didn't play in the playoffs last year. He's fresh. Um, and that's a big, that's a big, um, factor, but yeah, I mean, the depth is just like you saw it hurt him last night, you know, Kuzma put in his 16, but who else? I mean, waiters, waiters and Kuzma Davis. Yes. Okay. We, we know, we know Davis is, uh, is a beast. I mean, he only shot seven times, but, um, but waiters and, and kuzma were a combined nine of 24 and those were your top two bench scores so wh- like where is it going to come off the bench once lou williams comes back and once Montrezl harrell comes back you know and the raptors have all this depth and and you have these teams in the east and milwaukee looked great the celtics are look great looking great today like what happens you think if this kind of gets into our next conversation but do you think if the do you think there's an eight seed that could come out of the west that could give the lakers trouble in the first round
1: no. Charles Barkley says Portland. I love San Antonio. That's my team. Do I really think any of them could have a legitimate shot against LeBron James and Anthony Davis this year? No. LeBron James is probably the hardest worker in the NBA. Um, most determined to win this championship. He has so much to prove this year. So much to prove. Uh, and the GOAT conversation he just has his overall career. Um, and I think, I think that there's no team no eighth seed team that could legitimately challenge them, um, and I would say that um, they. I mean, despite the depth issues, I, I I believe in LeBron James. I think he. I think he has that that motor that's unparalleled. That um that he he's gonna he's gonna get it done.
0: Yeah, I I see what you're saying, and, and I believe in the Lakers. I just think that. If there's one team that would make it interesting, I kind of agree. I think the Blazers. Uh, I agree with Charles. I think the Blazers are uh, are a tough team, but I think that's a great segue into our next conversation. Because do you think the Blazers are even gonna be that nine seed or eight seed or whoever's gonna get into the play-in? I know we've talked about the Spurs, your Spurs. Um, the Pelicans have started zero two. We'll talk about them in a little bit too. But of those three teams, who are you? Who do you think is gonna have that playing against Memphis? Assuming Memphis holds the eight.
1: Biasedly, I would say San Antonio. Uh, they, they played well last night. They uh, did really well against the Kings. Uh, Derek White went off for 26. DeMar DeRozan 27. Rudy Gay 19. I think without Aldridge, huge loss to the Spurs. But now it's a more fast-paced offense, and they're kind of and they're and they're gelling. They're gelling, um, and I think if they can continue that performance, and I mean we have the best coach of all time on our team, uh, and I think if they continue like that, they could make a legitimate run for that eighth seed spot. I think I think the Blazers are hot. Damian Lillard is top five playoff performer in the league, and uh, now they have Nurkic back, which is huge, huge. Not to say Hassan White Hassan Whiteside had a great season; he was second in rebounds, huge defensive force. But uh, Nurkic back is huge. Uh, Melo's been playing pretty solid, um, but I would say. My, my, my heart lies in San Antonio. So.
0: Yeah, I I know that. And that's why I wanted to preface it with, um, that they're they're your team. So I hate to say this to you, but I think that this is a battle between the Blazers and the Pelicans. I just want to say the Spurs, great team. They don't have Aldridge. Um, they're playing well currently as we speak. Um, they, uh, they're up seven in the fourth on Memphis. So if they can hold on there, that's big. Um, but the Spurs have a tough schedule. You know, they have Philly, Denver, Utah twice, New Orleans and Utah. I'm uh, sorry, I already said Utah twice. So yeah, Utah twice and New Orleans. And so um, the Blazers also have a tough schedule. They have obviously Boston today, and then Houston, Denver, Clippers, Sixers, Mavs, Brooklyn. So n- tough sledding there. Whereas the Pelicans, you know, they may have started 0-2 um, in in the bubble already. But the Pelicans are only a game and a half out, and they have Memphis, um, Sacramento twice, Washington, your Spurs, and Orlando. So those are all teams that are, aside from Memphis, currently not in the playoffs. So I think if there's any team to do it, if, if they can have all of their guys healthy and playing regular minutes, which is obviously a big question mark, uh, the Pelicans are, are best suited to do it. Um, they have the, the talent there and the schedule
1: on their on their side yeah but they haven't been getting they're own two i mean they haven't zion had what seven points last night i mean he they just haven't been getting i know he had limited minutes everything else brandon ingram is, is great uh great very well built team for the future but i think right now uh, yeah they have a great shot uh I, w- I would pick portland or san antonio over over new orleans long run but i see what you're saying in terms of schedule Yes, they they definitely have a better chance. But um I don't know, they just haven't been getting it done recently.
0: Let's talk about that Zion restriction for a second, because that's a big storyline that um maybe not uh, isn't getting voiced enough. So um as as we talk, Portland just cut it to one, by the way. Three seconds ago, they're down one. We'll we'll keep everyone clued in here. I'm sure tomorrow it's gonna be outdated, but still pretty cool. Um, Zion Williamson is only allowed fifteen minutes because he took an um a leave of absence; it was excused, uh, and he served his 10-day quarantine. But he was just a little bit out of shape right before the game, so they said 15 minutes tops. So I don't know if you watched any of that Jazz um, that Jazz game. The Jazz are, are still pretty good. They're without Bogdanovich, but they're not um, they're not just some scrum what team. The Pelicans had to work hard, and Zion played really well. Zion ended up uh, having he went six for eight for 13 points, but he didn't play the last seven minutes of the game because he hit his 15-minute restriction and they lost. They got outscored by 10 points in the fourth. They blew their lead, and they lost. Then they got blown out by the Clippers, but the Clippers you know, are the Clippers, and Zion only played 14 minutes again. So assuming now that they got their harder games out of the way, they played all of their non-playoff, non-Grizzly teams, all of their, sorry, playoff, non-Grizzly teams um, in, in the first three games, okay? So they play the Grizzlies still, but looking ahead, they're going to have a lot of games against non-playoff teams, and we're going to have to assume that Zion is going to have more flexible minutes if they have their whole roster available well first off do you think Zion should be playing full minutes and then if they do have their full roster available with Zion playing his regular minutes do you think then that they snag that nine seed and get the playing games
1: for the good of the team they need to give Zion more minutes he's the most I mean he has the most potential on the roster obviously but he might be the most talented player on the roster. I'd say probably Brandon Ingram right now, but soon Zion. Um, so for the good of the, the team, yes, they need to give Zion more minutes. And do I think they have a legitimate shot at the ninth seed? Yes. Based off scheduling, yes, I do think they do have a legitimate shot. But they just, I mean, in fact, they're 0-2 right now. Um, and it hasn't even really been close so much uh, in those games. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know if they can uh, take care of business. The jazz one was really close, though. They because they led the majority of the game and then blew. They
0: they got outscored by ten points in the fourth, where he didn't play, really at all. Um, That's huge. So that's it's really big. I agree, but I mean he was so dominant in the beginning. And if you can have him on regular minutes with Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram, and then you have all the shooting and scoring of Lonzo and JJ Redick and Josh Hart and whoever you want to throw out there, they've they have the talent and they have the schedule on their side. And they're playing Sacramento twice, the Wizards, Orlando, and your Spurs. And so it's, they have important games but with Sacramento and the Spurs, but like, they have games that are very winnable right now.
1: My Spurs are going to get the win. Who would you pick if,
0: um, if the Grizzlies match up against the Blazers, uh, the Pelicans, and the Spurs on each, the, each of those three playing games? If the, you remember, the Grizzlies only have to win one. And the other three have to win two games. So, who are you choosing there to to get the eight seed
1: in those scenarios? Man, I want to say San Antonio. I really want to say them, but I'd say probably, probably. I, ah, man, that's a tough question. Uh, if they get to the play, if all those teams got to the play-in teams, uh, playing games, I'd say probably Portland with Nurkic back. That roster is hot. Damian Lillard is one of the. I mean, like I've said, he's. Just, I mean, he's hot, dude. He's hot um just a great lineup i don't understand why they have been underperforming so much because that lineup is so so um good and uh i would say i would say that's the the best uh the best team this season out of all those uh talent wise um and i mean like i said um the other teams haven't been getting it done except for san antonio
0: Yeah, and uh, just one final, by the way, Boston 128, Portland 124. So the Celtics hold on. So it keeps it competitive with the Raptors up at the top of the East and makes it really interesting at the bottom of the West. Now Portland three games back of Memphis, San Antonio three games back of Memphis. They're currently playing right now and winning Sacramento three and a half and New Orleans four. Um, So just an update there. Be really interesting down the stretch to see what happens. Definitely New Orleans with the most favorable schedule. But again, Zion, big question mark. So. We'll be on the lookout for that race, but definitely going to be interesting down the stretch. All right. Well, that that's a lot of uh, what we wanted to talk about there with, with the NBA. Uh, some some other storylines kind of around sports um, that we didn't get to touch on with our around the, the world in, in 120 seconds because uh, Adam restricted us to two minutes there. Uh, we, we just wanted to uh, talk about Uh, The story that kind of broke today about Pac-12 athletes who are planning on not participating in sports, Um, I just wanted to um, get your general opinion, Zach, on if you think um, athletes of of whatever conference it may be, if if you think that um, it poses a threat or, or your opinions on athletes who are saying that they may not want to play due to the pandemic and they don't feel like it's safe.
1: I mean as much as I would love to see them playing like selfishly we're going through a national pandemic right now like you can't hold that against them if they don't want to play through that i mean it's they're risking themselves their family their lives i mean like i don't i don't even see how it could be like an, teams can like be like oh you don't want to play we're going to cut you or punish you that like there there's no like this is a legitimate crisis <laughs> uh what do you think
0: I think, it's, I think you're totally right. I think it's unprecedented times. And so, I mean, that, if that calls for unprecedented measures and not having a season, that's what it's going to take. And I think that a lot of, a lot of uh, universities and um, the big ones like Pac-12 and, and the Power 5 conferences included are kind of stuck because if you, if you tell students that they can't come on campus or you tell students that their classes are going to be online, then how are you going to treat student-athletes different? How are you going to expect student-athletes To come participate, make money for the school, you know, because you've been harping on this for so long. These guys are students first, is what they've been saying. They are not paid, they are not employees of the universities. So, why should they be treated any different? Students now are going to have to come. So, I think it's putting a, a big burden on the universities to either bring students back to campus so that they can have their student athletes on campus, or it's facing them with a tough decision, you know, do we? Break down this barrier of the student athlete and treat these student athletes like the athletes that they probably are. You know, they—if you ask student athletes—they probably spend more time with their sports than they do with their academics, and it's just a fact of the money involved at the NCAA. But it's putting them in a a weird position. If you had said from the beginning, "You are—you are athletes before your students. You make money for this university. You are an employee of the organization, employee of the university. We're going to pay you." Then you could treat them like professors, employees of the university. You could say, if you don't want to come back, fine, but we're not going to pay you. But if they're students first and it's a scholarship and that's all that you're giving them, they are students first and you have to treat them as students first, like you've been saying. And so it's putting a lot of universities across the country in a weird position. And to be honest, I don't think that students should have to risk that. I think like me, I have the option to come to campus or not. I think that the players should as well because they're student athletes first, right? So I am in total agreement. I don't think that they should be putting anything before their livelihood, their families and their health. So that's my perspective on it. I know that um, I, have, I have a good friend who plays football at Washington state and a lot of the PAC 12 players are voicing their opinions on it. And it's very similar and, and they've said they're not going to play and they're very vocal about it. And I know that there's been some backlash from the university, some cutting of players so please, if you see it on Twitter or Instagram or your, whatever social media, go give them support. Um, these Pac-12 athletes, I don't think, should be forced into any scenario, um, especially when they're not employees of the university. So sorry, that's my two cents on that topic. Absolutely.
1: Um, that's, a great, that's a great point.
0: Very passionate about that. Uh, I was talking with my dad about that earlier, and it's just it's crazy. You know, the world we live in, it's really putting people in a really tough scenario, especially when they've been holding on to a certain ideal for a long time with this whole student-athlete conversation. So it would be interesting to see how this moves forward, what the other conferences do in response to it, but um, definitely kind of the news of the day. So, all right, well, when we come back, we're going to have some Today in History for you. Today's August 2nd, and it's a big day. What can I say? We'll be back on Unmasked. Welcome back to Unmasked. And today is August 2nd, which means it's a big day in history. You ready for this, Zach Dan? I'm ready. All right. So today is the 38th anniversary of Ricky Henderson, the MLB, stealing his 100th base on, way, on his way to 130 for that season. 130 stolen bases is the most ever in a single season. It was the second out of three times, which is also a uh, an MLB record, times that he got um, 100 stolen bases in a year. He's the only player over 1,000 stolen bases, so he's the all-time leader, and he has over 1,200, so it's by a long shot. Uh, he is known as the best stolen base player of all time in that, in that category. He's just uh, lightning fast. That guy was crazy, but I think the craziest record, and I want to see if, um, if you think either of these are going to get broken – do you think anyone will ever break his steals record? But also, do you think anyone will ever play 25 seasons like he did? He played from 1979 to 2003. He played from the time my dad was 10 years old until the time my mom was pregnant with my sister. Do you think that will ever, someone will ever play 26 games? He doesn't hold the record, but do you think that will ever happen again? 26 seasons, I mean, more than 25.
1: Honestly, I do not think anybody will beat either of those records. I mean, that man is just elite.
0: Four decades. The dude played four decades. Props That's... to Ricky Henderson, man.
1: Mad respect. Mad respect.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's crazy fast. And then 14 years later, we had the Dream Team round three. Uh, they beat Yugoslavia in, Atle- in the Atlanta Olympics, won the gold. 1996 was a great team. No MJ, but they still had Hakeem. They had a young Grant Hill, young Shaq. They had Pip. They had had everyone. They were really good. Um, My question to you is, Yugoslavia, who they beat, is now known, now split off into two different countries. But Serbia basketball is one branch from that Yugoslavia uh, branch that ended in 06. So now a Serbian team would feature the Joker, Nikola Jokic, Boban, Bogdan Bogdanovic, and um, Bialica, two guys on the Kings, and Frank the Tank Kaminsky, Who knew he was Serbian? Would you take those guys over a U.S. team in the Olympics right now? Could the Joker get it done?
1: No, I don't think. Like, I mean, no. Nah, I mean, I think it would be a good fight, but I don't think he could ultimately get it done against. Maybe, maybe like some games, but not in the long run. Now,
0: do you think they could hold their own like Manu did for so many years, and and have like an Argentinian team where there's some good role players and like be relevant? Like, you think Serbia's like? Like, you think those five would compete at least?
1: Yeah, I think they would definitely compete. I think they – Serbia's going to have some good basketball in the next Olympics, but um, I just don't think they're going to be – I mean, Argentina was like an anomaly. Uh, I mean, that was like Ginobili, Scola. I mean, and that's when Ginobili was at its peak. Oh, man, I love Manu Ginobili. Uh, Now I don't think they're going to be in Argentina.
0: Imagine Jokic, Boban, and Frank the Tank on the court at the same time. I'd be I'd really kind of
1: Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich is good yeah
0: he's really good he's a future math I'm calling it right now on this podcast today's August 2nd 2020 Bogdan Bogdanovich he's friends with Luca. he's going to be a Maverick we'll see all right well speaking of the Mavericks that goes right into our happy birthdays because you know what today is today is the unicorns 25th birthday let's give it up for Chris Porzingis he has had kind of a rough start to his career he was a an all-star in 2018, then he tore his ACL, then he got traded, Knicks fans hated him, and now he's bounced back. His post-all-star break numbers are crazy. It's 23-11, 3-3, going into the break on some great shooting lines, and he put up 39-16 against the Rockets the other night, in that horrible loss, um, he missed the box out, so we're not going to give him too much credit there. Um, I hate Robert Covington. And yeah. – uh, my question to you, will he make another All-Star team?
1: Will he make another All-Star team? That's a great question. Um, I would say yes, he will. Kristaps is a very unique talent. He's like a young Dirk. Uh, a little bit more athletic, though, but not as not as great of a shot. But um, he's great. Towards the end of this past season, he was doing really, really well. Uh, and I, I really think that he will make some, many more All-Star games.
0: I love to hear it because I agree. We left him out of our top 10 under 25 in the bubble, but you know now he's 25, so it doesn't even matter. It's a moot point. I think he moving forward is um, one of the better front court players. I don't think he's on an Anthony Davis level or anything like that yet, but I could see him having some Pascal Siakam development um, where he comes into his own. Maybe in, in a little bit, in a few years, we'll look back and say, uh, you know, it was a good trade. That's all all I can hope for. Also a former Dallas player, this time in the WNBA, we have Skylar Diggins. It's her 30th birthday. She was a former top three pick, a four-time all-star in the WNBA and traded from the Dallas Wings, of course, right? Just because right when everything's exciting and Dallas gets a WNBA team, got to trade the franchise player. But she joins Brittany Griner on the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, So happy birthday to her. And then Golden Tate is 32 today. Wide receiver. He's a pro bowler. Uh, Super Bowl champ, but I think um, he will always be known for catching the fail Mary with the replacement refs when he took the ball away uh, in the end zone and got credited for a touchdown. Any thoughts on Golden Tate?
1: His legacy, man. Uh, Great, great player. Great career.
0: Fun fact. Did you know that Golden Tate has the most yards after catch of any wide receiver over the last five seasons? Really? a 1,003 yards is first over Larry Fitzgerald at 674 and Jarvis Landry at 631. He over over 300 more yards after the catch than the second most uh, um, Larry Fitzgerald. So he's a weapon. He's on the Giants now, Uh, if you knew that. I don't really follow Golden Tate's career too closely, but he's kind of tailed off. Uh, But, yeah, that fell Mary, man. I'll never forget. Remember those replacement refs?
1: Yes. Crazy. They were horrible. They were like
0: like school teachers. Garbage. Fun
2: fun story about the replacement refs. I was going to uh California. I was going to Orange County, and uh, I hopped on a plane. Or no, I was going to Florida actually, and I hopped on a plane. And there was a ref. Um, he was like a college ref, and he was like one of the replacement refs going to, to ref an NFL game. And so like when we were in Florida, we turned on the Dolphins game, and sure enough, like he was on the field. So I got to sit next to, like one of the
0: replacement refs. Of course, because like that's – they were just ordinary people. That's the biggest joke that no one talks about over the last 10 years was the NFL hiring like third-grade math teachers (laughs) to decide the fate of millions playing fantasy football across the country. You know, like if you had the Packers defense in that game and like Jimmy Brown um, was preparing his social studies lecture for the next day – and just like had a long day and, and wanted to get that game over with and just screwed you over. Like that, that cannot happen in the world's most entertaining form of, of fantasy sports. It's just like, it blows my mind how the NFL got away with that for so long. I'm glad that the, that lockout ended with the refs.
1: Air Adam, were you uh, flying that plane that the, the replacement refs were you the replacement pilot? <laughs>
2: no, I was on vacation.
1: <laughs> uh. I'm sure he was, too.
2: replacement pilot now.
0: All right. Well, um, as we're wrapping up this podcast, the Rangers just took a 9-5 lead over the San Francisco Giants, avoiding a sweep. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Um, and the Mavs play tonight. There's a lot of cool stuff to watch for later on this week. You guys have anything you want to shout out?
1: Shout out, Metal World Peace.
0: Okay. This is completely my idea. <laughs> I, I told Zach right before the podcast that Meta World Peace, Ron Artest, formerly known, was ahead of his time with the jersey name switch. He would have fit into the bubble perfectly with World Peace on his back. And we were laughing about it. And I think Zach, for a brief moment, thought I was a genius. And then he saw the the exact verbatim words that I said on an NBA memes page. And I did not look at that before. You can ask Zach or my dad. I, I came up with that idea and its original. But... He would have fit in perfectly. So, and, and Zach thinks uh, Kevin Lovewood too, which.
1: World be free. World be free.
0: Yeah. We got a good list going. All right. Well, yeah. Nav Suns tonight. A lot of great games tomorrow. Um, Zach, who you got in, uh, in the Raptors heat?
1: Raptors all day. We saw them really? take part the Lakers. Siakam's going to step up. I think, uh, yeah, I, I go Raptors all day. Big Raptors guy. That's my East team.
0: All right, I'm going to go Heat because, you know, I love love some Jimmy, some Bam, love Duncan. They look great against the Nuggets. The Nuggets are so depleted, but um, they still look great. I'm going to go Heat. And then I want to know who you got in, um, in your Spurs 76ers, even though I know the answer.
1: San Antonio, baby. DeJounte Murray's going off right now, and uh, he's going to do the same thing against the sorry Sixers team.
0: You know what? Give me the Spurs, too. I'll take it. Derek White all day, baby. All day. Walk
1: through the future. <laughs> future right, well, you heard it here first. Unmasked.
0: Adam loves Trey Burke too. So make sure you uh, you hop on that train tonight. He's going to have a big game.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. That Most definitely.
0: All right. Well, that wraps it up. Catch some NBA action all week. We'll be back sometime this week, hopefully, with another guest. So stay tuned. Be safe. Have a lot of cake and enjoy life. See ya. Peace.
2: Later.